So as you guys know, uh, over the course of this month, we have been re-examining our purpose as a church, trying to refocus in on it. And hopefully at this point, it's all pretty familiar. Let's throw it back up there and read it together if we can. Lighthouse Community Church is committed to making disciples who love God, love one another, and love our neighbors. And we've been using this analogy of a light bulb. Um, I, I'm still getting over the flu, so I'm stuffy-headed this morning. I couldn't even remember what a, the word light bulb was. I'm like, lamp? Like, what? what is it? Light bulb. There, we, there it is. So we've been using this analogy of a light bulb to describe who we are becoming, who God has made us to be. A light bulb is something that requires being screwed into the, the power source in order for it to operate, and that power source is our relationship with God. So we are people who are committed to growing in our relationship with God. A light bulb also is something that requires the filament to be able to light up, and that's the life together. It's the, it's the kind of messy life on life with other people who are also in process. That's the love in one another component. But the whole reason that the light bulb stays screwed into the socket and, and is so that it can ultimately bear light into the darkness. And that is what we are called to do. And particularly this month, or we have been examining what does it mean to live as light bearers into our unique spheres of influence, into those 8 to 15 people that God has planted in our neighborhood or maybe in our family or at our workplace or at our school. And we want to be more intentional about living it out there. But here's the thing. Uh, it's one thing to say we want to be light bearers, but the cost is really something we want to consider because there's a pretty high cost to this. It's one thing to say, hey, I am willing to go to church for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning and maybe even participate in a life group for a couple of hours on a weekday. It's, a, it's one thing to say, hey, I'm going to give maybe all the way up to 10% of my income uh, as an offering, as a declaration to God, I trust you more than I trust my stuff. But when we begin to say, God, you can help yourself to my life, all of a sudden, it's, he starts asking us about the other 90% of our life. When we start being willing to allow him to use us as light bearers in our spheres of influence, suddenly, this becomes about the other six and a half days of the week about being willing to be interruptible, that each conversation that we're in might actually be a redemptive conversation. It means being willing to say, God, you can help yourself not only to that first 10%, but the other 90. And saying, holding out our, not just our finances, but our time and our talents. And saying, God, help yourself to my life. But what we find is that when we do that, when we allow God access to everything, he does immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. I know, Darlene's awake. <laughs> there's, a, there's a story recorded in all four of the Gospels. Is that me? That must be. That's me. I'm, I'm, no, that's not even funny. Too soon. Not even funny. All right, sorry about that. We good? We're good. Um, I apologize, but now you're all awake. There's a, there's a story recorded in all four of the Gospels. Jesus has tried to get some time away with his disciples in the wilderness. The people, the crowds find out where he's going, and they try to get there ahead of him so that when he shows up, there's this massive group of people, and he takes compassion on them, and so he spends the entire day teaching them and healing people. 
And by the end of the day, the sun starts to set and his disciples are like, hey, Jesus, it's getting late. You should probably send the people home so they can get some food. And he's like, well, why don't you give them something to eat? They're like, start talking to one another like, does Jesus even realize that it would take eight months' salary even to give everybody a mouthful? And finally, one of the disciples goes, Jesus, do you want us to buy bread for everybody? Because we don't have enough. He's like, well, what do you have? What's in your hand? And so they, they go and they look and they come back to him and they say, well, we have five loaves of bread. We're talking flat pieces of bread and, and some, a couple of fish. He looks at me and says, that's enough. Bring it here. And he takes it from them and he blesses it and then he breaks it and he gives it back to them and they begin to pass it out to the people. And as they pass it out, there's still enough to continue to pass it out until every single person, over 5,000 people, <clears throat> are fed. And on top of that, there's 12 basketfuls left over. And I think that for me, when I read that, the point that Jesus was making is that you will never be asked to give what you have not been entrusted with. But if you are willing to allow God to use what He has given you to do what He's calling you to do, He can do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. So the question is, are you willing to allow God to use what He's placed in your hands, what He's entrusted to you to do what He's calling you to do? And that's a question we need to grapple with as individuals, but it's also a question we need to grapple with as a church, as a community. And so today is kind of a family conversation. And if you're new to Lighthouse, if this is your first time, you picked a really fun Sunday to come. This is going to be a family conversation. But I would suggest it might be a wonderful Sunday for you to have as your first experience because this will be an opportunity for you to see how we operate and the values that drive this community. It will be unique to any other Sunday that we have here. Um, Today, what we want to do is take a look at what God has entrusted to us, what we have in our hands, and how we are endeavoring to use it to do what He's called us to do. So the first thing that we have is we have this, this property, this facility. The amazing thing is it's bought and paid for, and that was taken care of by generations of faithful Christ followers before us. We can't all take credit for it, although some of you have been the ones who have uh, been the ones to help buy and maintain this property, and we're grateful for that. But because we have this building, both sides of the street, uh, we look for ways that we can use it for redemptive purposes. We have uh, a preschool that meets here throughout the week. We have about 150 kids who are uh, participants in that. And the best part of that is Whereas most schools have about a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, we operate at a 6 to 1 because there's this desire to be really intimately connected with the kids and, and give them that sort of support as they're beginning their schooling. It's also one of the least expensive preschools in the area. And the reason why these are important is it gives us the ability to minister to people who would probably not ever step foot into a church. But we get to love on their kids and in so doing get to love on those families. Uh, we also get to use this property to help other church plants. Over the last decade, we've had four church plants that have used our facility either on a Saturday night or a Sunday evening. Currently, we have a church plant called Canopy that is, is kind of a conglomeration of house churches that every couple of, couple of times a month, they use our facility on a Sunday evening. And somebody might say, well, doesn't that, isn't that like aiding the competition? 
To which we'd say, no, because we're not in competition with them or any other church in our city. Because we recognize that there's only one church. Jesus is the head of it. We're not in competition with them. We are simply working to help together to reflect the heart of Jesus Christ. And so any way that we can help fan the flame of these other church plants, we're in. And so we'll continue to do that. Uh, We also have a number of organizations that we support by allowing them to use our facility free of charge. Here are a couple of the, uh, the ones. So we have Little Lighthouse Preschool that is using our facility throughout the week. We have the Trellis Homeless Initiative meetings. These are meetings to help address the issue of homelessness in our community. Fresh Beginnings does mentor trainings here. This is mentors who can come alongside both our aging population as well as the homeless community, which we have quite a bit in our in our city. Uh, we host lead pastor lunches where one of the things that God has really placed on my heart is that because there's only one church, because we're not in competition, it's imperative that we have community with pastors in our city. And so I, a few years ago, started gathering lead pastors, and that's only grown and grown until we have 30 or about 35 churches that have been represented in those pastoral lunches. And then finally, we have the Canopy Network of House Churches that is using our facility. These are just a few of the ways that our, our facility is being used throughout the week. We've also had, like, Hogue Hospital chaplains have used it for their uh, training and other things like that. We have, uh, and this is where my fuzzy brain is coming in. Um, Okay, yeah, we have other things that are going on as well. It's not coming to me. All right? So, we, we endeavor to use our facility not only almost every single day, but throughout the evenings as well. Almost every single night, it's being used in some capacity. Now, because we own our facility outright, we can, we can be pretty generous with these organizations, and a lot of them, we're able to let it, them use it free of charge in order to kind of fan the flame of ministry in our city. But we also have the ability to invest in ministry going on beyond the walls of this place. And currently, we have about eight missionaries or mission organizations that we support. Can we throw those up there? So we have Don and Jill Shannon. They are primarily our missionaries to Lighthouse, helping us be more tied in with what's going on in our city. They are the primary point of contact with organizations like Trellis and others. They've helped us be more intentional about investing in our city, but also they have a specific calling down to Costa Rica, and that's where they've been for the last two months, preparing uh, the groundwork for our our team who next month are going to be going out to Costa Rica for about a week to minister there and to, to love on a community that God has kind of opened up for us to have relationship with. So that's Don and Jill. We also have Trellis Ministries. If you're not familiar with Trellis, it is a very crucial organization that's developed w- from within the church. It, it started with about 18 years of praying for our city, where the churches were coming together and just praying for our city. And ultimately, uh, some of these pastors and ministers said, we need to start looking for ways that we can address some of the biggest issues in our city. And they've identified four of them. Uh, Those who are experiencing homelessness, education, making sure that every kid is reading at a third grade reading level by the time they hit third grade. Neighboring, that we would know one another. This is really where our sphere of influence uh, conversation fits in is with the neighboring component. And then finally, prayer, that we would be a church that prays for our city. And so we partner very closely with Trellis. We have a very close relationship with them. 
In fact, Trellis was birthed out of our um, conference room. That's where they were praying when I was first introduced. They were using our conference room, and it kind of grew out of that. And so we are financially supporting Trellis as a ministry, but we also support a guy named John Began, who's a member of our church, um, but is the Trellis Homeless Initiative point person. He is a pastor to the homeless in our city. He is the one who is kind of running at this issue of those who are experiencing homelessness, and we are grateful that we get to support him in that endeavor. We also have Bill and Kathy Nelson with Fresh Beginnings Ministries. Fresh Beginnings, they serve some... Bill, how many people did you guys serve over uh, November and December? How many? Yeah. Okay, so a little over 11,000 people who, many of them veterans who needed food and other things. We got to, pack, uh, you know, wrap over 1,000 toys for children of these needy families. So not only is there that tangible thing there, but then Fresh Beginnings Ministry also trains up mentors who can come alongside hurting families and people within our city. So it's a, it's a wonderful ministry. And again, Bill and Kathy are members of our church, which is pretty exciting. Uh, we also have Pastor Kuko with Project Light Tijuana. He's a pastor down there. And we have, you know, regularly have gone down and ministered down there. And he's one of the missionaries that we support on a monthly basis. We also have Craig and Sarah Marshall with Wycliffe Bible Translators. And then fi- finally, Marty Hooper, who doubles as Santa Claus uh, with e- International Evangelism Ministry. And so we support all of these on a monthly, regular basis because we have the finances to do so. Finally, and, and, and by far not the least, we have you. You are our greatest resource. And we, we recognize that we don't own you in the sense of you never get to go anywhere. Just ask Jean and Michelle, right? This is their final week before they head off to Idaho. And we recognize that for some of you, we will only get to, um, get to do life with you here on a weekly basis for a season, and so we want to, to the best of our ability, equip you to do what God is calling you to do, mainly to be a disciple who is growing in your relationship with God in community with other people so that you can shine brightly in your spheres of influence, whether you're here or you're somewhere else, like out in, in Texas, like the Barones are currently, or like Jean and Michelle will be in Idaho, along with a few other people who have moved in the last year. So our goal is to help equip you. Now, how are we going to do that? That's what we're going to be talking about today. So if you will, go ahead and pull out your vision day packet. And if you don't have one, please raise your hand, and we have some ushers who will bring you one. So we've got a few up here that don't have it. One over there. Let's go ahead and turn to the first page on the inside, the one that says loving God at the top. I'm trying to move quickly through all of this front stuff so that we can get to uh, a few of the places where we're going to have some space for questions. First thing is where do we go from here? January is typically like let's let's remind ourselves what we're doing and why we're doing it. And then moving forward, what we're about is helping you shine in your sphere of influence. Well, how do we do that? I can't think of a better place to begin to grapple with how to live out the gospel and being uh, light in our sphere of influence than to, w- to watch how the early church did it. And so over the next several months, we're going to continue to work through the book of Acts as we watch the early church 
you know, fall forward, if you will. They, they, they were doing things that were radically groundbreaking. They were also making mistakes along the way, and we'll learn from all of that. We'll have a lot of conversations about what this looks like. We'll also share stories about God is using you as you begin to invest in your sphere of influence. We're going to make time on Sunday mornings for stories. Uh, then in September, we're going to begin to go through Paul's letter to the Philippians. And I got to tell you, Philippians has been a, a, a book of the Bible that has been radically impacting me over the last six months. As I've just spent time sitting in that and reading it, particularly Philippians chapter 2. Uh, in, in a day and age where we have a tendency to fixate on power structures, it talks about power. And it's, it's just really powerful. So I look forward to getting to, to walk through that as well. Secondly, just as importantly, is that we do life together, that we are in community with one another. Well, how do we do that? What does that look like? Well, if you're young, it looks like being part of student ministries, and most of those kids are across the street right now getting loved on and doing life together. If you're between the ages of 18 to 28, we have a young adults ministry that meets every other Monday in the family room across the street. And this morning, we had our young adults worship team leading us. I'm really grateful for their gifting, and there's a lot more of them that God has brought into our church. And that's been a really exciting area that we've seen grow in our church is our young adult community. Uh, and I anticipate he'll continue to add to their number. But for the rest of us, who are maybe just a slightly over the age of 28, life groups is the primary way that we do life together. It's the primary way to be known, to pursue Jesus alongside other committed followers of Jesus who are also imperfect, just like us, and who are all in process. And so if you are not currently in a life group, then I am telling you that you're missing the very best of what Lighthouse has to offer you. And I would challenge you, I would, I would implore you to get plugged into a life group. And in order to do that, all you need to do in the seat back in front of you, there's a connection card just right that you're interested in getting into a life group, and we will make sure to find one that fits when you're available, all right? Um, we also have women's and men's connections that are regularly doing things to help build community, whereas life groups are primarily focused on diving deep into Scripture, unpacking the message, wrestling with things of faith. The men's and women's connections is about creating community and, and continuing to do life together. And then finally, all of this, the growing in our relationship with God and doing life with one another, is to help us to live as light in our spheres of influence. We've spent a lot of time talking about it this year. We've given you this tool, and we've explained its purpose. If you have not seen or heard about this, it's probably because you've missed the last couple of weeks. I would encourage you to listen online. You can go to lighthousecommunity.com and you can listen to those messages or any others. Um, but before you leave, I encourage you to grab one of these cards and fill it out. To it, it helps you identify the 8 to 15 people God has placed in your sphere of influence and then encourages you to begin to pray for them by name on a regular basis. Because as you pray for them, God is going to begin to give you eyes to see opportunities. And you're going to find that you're going to be interacting with them differently. All of that's kind of explained briefly in the, on this page here, on the loving your neighbor portion. I'm not going to go into it. We spent quite a bit of time on it. So let's go ahead and keep going. Um, those are some of the ways that we're investing in you. And the question I have for you is this. Are you in? And by that, I don't simply mean, hey, are, are you supportive of what the church is going to do so you vote yes and then you're going to just sit there and enjoy watching us professional Christians do it. 
I mean, are you willing to get involved? Because here's the thing, and you, most of you have heard me use this analogy before, but it's the best one I can think of. A lot of people approach church like they would going on a cruise. And don't get me wrong, I love cruises. I love the fact that I can have any type of food I want and as much of it as I want whenever I want it. I love the fact that there's entertainment, lots of it, for whatever I feel like having. If I want a floor show, they got one of those. If I want a comedian, they got that, right? If I want something more active, I can do that. I love the fact that when I leave my stateroom, when I come back, it, the, the bed will be turned down and there will be a piece of chocolate on the pillow for me. I love the fact that whenever I'm done with the meal, I don't have to clean up after myself. Somebody else will do it. I love going on cruises and all they require of me is I put some money in the till and they take care of everything else. But can you imagine if I lived my whole life on a cruise ship, what that would do to me? I'd very quickly become fat and sedentary. I would start buying into the belief that the world revolved around serving my needs, right? But a lot of people actually approach church in the same way. Does, does this message feed me in the way that I like? Is, is the worship entertaining? And, and, and is it the kind of music that I like? Do they ha offer all of the programs that I prefer? Will they clean up my messes for me? If the answer is yes, I'm in. And you know what? I'll even give some money to make the, the machine keep operating. But if not, that's fine. I'll just go find a church that does that for me. I'll just go down the street somewhere. If we approach church like a cruise ship, then we will very quickly start thinking that the, the church exists solely to meet our needs, and we will quickly become spiritually fat and lazy. Now, what's the alternative? Well, consider a clipper ship for a moment. A clipper ship is very different from a cruise ship. First off, you'll notice that it's not nearly as large as a cruise ship. The reason is, is the clipper ship doesn't have to devote the majority of its space to passengers. In fact, there are no passengers on a clipper ship. Clipper ships, every single person from the captain on down to the newest, greenest deckhand are all members of the crew and all of them join together to help that clipper ship achieve what it was commissioned to do. Whereas a cruise ship exists to entertain the passengers, a clipper ship exists to achieve what it was commissioned to do. Now, are the people on a clipper ship fed? Absolutely. Is there entertainment? Yes. They entertain themselves, but they all have purpose. They all have buy-in. You don't need deck space for uh, deck chairs because everybody's working. And I would suggest to you, I don't even think that there's any question about what kind of a church we want to be, right? We want to be a church where every single one of you recognize that you are not merely members, you are participants, you are ministers, in helping us carry out what God has called us to do, namely to be a church that makes disciples who are helping us grow in our relationship with Jesus as we do life together so that we can shine brightly in our spheres of influence in the people that God has placed around us. That's what we're about. Now, my question again is this. Are you in? Are you willing to get up out of your deck chair and join us in what our church has been called to do. But before you answer that, 
Let me lay out to you what saying yes means. <clears throat> On this page that has our cruise ship and clipper ship, there are three things that a, that a yes to being in entails. Number one, will you commit to growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because regardless of whether you're a new believer or have been following for decades, we never stop growing as disciples. You don't, even, even Merv is not done growing as a disciple of Jesus. So we ask you to commit to investing in your relationship with God. That means spending time with Him on your own outside of our regularly scheduled meetings. It means practicing a lifestyle of prayer. And it means faithfully participating in, in, in church, coming and being with the community. Because if we recognize that, that we are the church, this isn't, this isn't church, we are the church, then what is this time? This is almost, our Sunday mornings are like a, um, a gathering of the staff. It's a staff meeting where we come together to, one, remember who it is that we serve, two, to worship him, three, to be refocused on what we're being called to do, and four, to be sent out to go be the church. That's what this time is. This isn't the sum total of our relationship with Jesus. This is simply a means to an end, the end being that we are living in relationship with Jesus and shining brightly as his ambassadors of hope. Number two, would you commit to getting connected? Because God never intended us to do life alone. We were created to do life in community with one another. So if you are in, it means that you are committed to getting plugged into community, whether that be the young adults crew, whether that be um, being in a life group. Some people say, well, you know, I'm part of a life group outside of Lighthouse. Fine, so long as you're doing community with other people who are pursuing Jesus together, fine. But would you be committed to that? And then thirdly, would you be willing to get involved? This is the get up out of your deck chair port. If, it, if you're in, it means you're part of the ministry team. We will commit ourselves to helping you grow, but it's up to you to invest your time, your talents, and your treasures to help us fulfill our mandate to make disciples. Well, what does that mean? First, would you commit to financially supporting the ministry of Lighthouse Community? Would you financially give? Not once or twice in a year. Would you give on a regular basis? Now, I don't say this because I'm trying to help our bottom line as a church. I say this because Jesus recognized that our, money our, our hearts tend to follow our money. And where our treasure is, there our hearts go also. He spent an inordinate amount of his time talking about finances because he recognized what an impediment, what a rival God they could be. And so when we talk about this, I am primarily focused on it because I would like to know that you are trusting God more than you're trusting your stuff. And this is a major part of that discipleship. And if I had to choose, and I mean this 100%, if I had to choose between a few people, maybe 10 people in our church giving us more than we budgeted in the year, so we were well beyond our budget, or all of you giving a portion 
and, and even not even hitting our budget. If I had to choose which I'd prefer, I'd actually prefer the latter. Because again, this is about your heart, not about the bottom line. I trust God to provide. When we get into our budget later on, when I talk about what God did last year in our finances, you will see that I have no concern about God providing for our church. He tends to do it over and over and over again. But I also recognize that where our money goes, there our heart goes also. So if you're in, would you financially be in? Secondly, would you find a place to serve? whether here at Lighthouse or beyond our church. This isn't about just working at Lighthouse. But there are several places that we have opportunities for you to jump in. One of those would be within our worship team, whether that's audiovisual or if you have worship talents, you know, that could be something. It could be with the welcome team. There's a whole crew of people who, who are kind of the front line of welcoming people into our church. Arguably, the, the most important one right now that we have the greatest amount of needs are actually with our children across the street. We have a number of opportunities for you to invest in the next generation, in my sons, in other, and don't let that be an impediment just because they're my kids. I know they're crazy, right? <laughs> but we have, we have been gifted with like 30 children, 30 or 40 children who are being shaped by their proximity to other believers and we're inviting you to come and invest in their life on one Sunday a month. And I'll tell you, my, what I have found from talking with other people is that you will grow more from that one Sunday than you will from the other three that you're over here. So it is worthwhile investment. And if you're interested in that, all, all you need to do is write down on your connection card that you're interested, and we'll have Ashley connect with you to talk with you about what that would entail. All right? So serve. Maybe it's here at Lighthouse, or maybe it's in a ministry beyond Lighthouse. Maybe it's helping out with Someone Cares Soup Kitchen or some other ministry that you've been a part of for a long time. I don't care where so long as you're giving yourself away. Thirdly, would you join us in, in, in being intentional about investing in your sphere of influence. It would mean grabbing this card and taking this seriously. This is not something we're just trying for a week or two. This is going to be a primary way that we operate as a church, is that we would be intentional about identifying our sphere of influence, the 8 to 15 people God has placed in our sphere of influence, praying for them regularly, and looking for ways for God to use us to impact their lives. That's it. And if you can say yes to all three of these things, even if you have not at this point done so, let's say you've never given a penny to the church, but you say, you know what? I'm willing to start investing. Maybe, maybe you're not yet in a life group, but you know what? I'm willing to get plugged into a life group. I'm ready to say yes. Maybe you haven't filled out this card, but you know what? I'm willing to fill out the card. If you can say yes to all three of these things, even if you have yet to do so, then that makes you a member of this crew. And that gives you the right to speak into the decisions that we are making as a church body, of which I'm going to invite you into right now. You see, we as a church, we are a congregationally led church, which means that as a church, we vote on a few things. We typically do so once a year. This happens to be that day. There's three things in particular we vote on. We vote on leadership, namely our elder leadership, we vote on our bylaws, the governing documents of our church. Anytime we want to make a change to those, we vote on it. Thirdly, we vote on our budget. And today we have an opportunity to vote on all three of those things. 
So let's start with the leadership part, shall we? <clears throat> we um, each year, the elder board spends several days prayerfully going through who God has entrusted to our church and asking who to invite onto the elder board. And this year, we spent quite a bit of time doing so, and ultimately we arrived at two individuals who we have asked to come onto the elder board who also said yes. We asked another person who did not have the margin, and we absolutely respect them in that choice because they recognize that this is a pretty weighty thing to be asked to do. And so I'm going to invite Dee and Tom to come forward, but I'd also like your wives to come with you because here's what we recognize as a church. I don't know about your families, but in mine, my wife's voice matters greatly. And I have learned to trust my wife's discernment far more than my own. And when it comes to eldership, it is more than lip, this isn't just lip service to say that although it may be the men on this board, their wives have both the right and it's an expectation that they are also speaking into these conversations. And when we have things that we're processing, the expectation is that they are working through them at home and praying together about them. So their wives are also part of this nomination. And so, hi, how are we? What I'd love to do is, is just give you an opportunity. This is Dee and Connie Renfro, um, and then Tom and Terry Phipps. I'd like to give you both, uh, you guys, the opportunity to share a little bit about yourselves briefly, and then also, neither of you asked to be nominated. Both of you said yes, so why is it that you felt compelled to say yes? And Tommy, since you're the furthest from me, I'm going to let you start. Be brief, baby. <laughs> when I accepted Christ in the back seat of a 39 Plymouth, some of you don't even know what a Plymouth is. <laughs> there was a, a chief petty officer who had a small Sunday school class. There was only four of us. We didn't have a classroom. It was a very small church. So that was my venture started. I went on to spend some time with a church down the street, a little place called Calvary Chapel, and I began to learn the word of Christ. And then I went on to uh, be a part of a group called the Influencers. There's about 40 different churches represented by 200 men that meet on a Friday morning. And then I began to learn what a man of God is. Shamefully, I spent too many years not being that man. And so I began to realize that become a man of God, you need to spend time in the Word. You need to spend time in prayer. And the hardest thing for a fellow with a big mouth is you have to listen to what God has to say. And so prayerfully, I'm getting closer. I'm not there yet at 81 years old. You'd think I'd learned by now, but I'm still learning. The other thing is, is you know, along in that pattern, when we, we were, had the, the privilege of being directors of a, of a a conference center in the mountains for some time. And when we came down the hill, we were looking for a smaller church. We kind of got hooked in a little place down the street here called Rock Harbor. And we Much ran. Much smaller, yeah. Very small. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was a small at that time. <laughs> we met a handsome kid called Eric and his wife, Kathy. And we fell in love with Eric and we worked on the young life groups and that sort of thing. And, and so when Buckshot here uh, went candidating to become a part of of a church, why uh, we came over here to listen to him speak. And we fell in love with this church. So 
that's how we landed here at, at Lighthouse. And a few years after that, they asked me if I'd be an elder, and because I was one, and uh, so, uh, and uh, so uh, I had the privilege of being on the board that called him, and that called Jeff and Jen as well, and, and he and Kathy, and and then all the additional things that we do. We had I had a chance to be a part of that, and believe me, it blessed me. So three years went by, and I'm off the board, and now I'm really old. And uh, they call me back here, and Eric said, we'd like to have you come aboard while you're still here. Now, I don't, I'm not real sure what that meant. I don't know. You know, I got a little heart problem, but I didn't know if I was leaving pretty quick or not. You know, My hope is, is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, shape up back there, Glenn. I can see you laughing at me. <laughs> My hope is, is to serve each one of you with, along with my wife. I'm married to a great Jewish princess, and I love her, a Messianic Jew, and she is loving Christ. And our hope is just to serve every one of you. If you ever need prayer, come and tap us on the shoulder, because that's one of the things I love to do is praying for people. Because you never pray for somebody, but what you get blessed, pressed down, running over and sideways. So why am I here? I'm not real sure at this age, other than the fact that I hope to serve all of you and serve Eric and Jeff and all the staff here at, uh, at Lighthouse. Thank you. Hey, Terry, let me ask you. If, yeah, you can. Um, Terry, I know that in this season of Tom's life, he's still working. You've got grandchildren, and there's a part of you that's wanting to protect Tom's time. And so one of the big questions in all of this is, is this something that you would even be supportive of? Because when we ask, we don't just ask the, the husband, we're asking the wife, are you willing to allow this responsibility to be kind of be held by your family? Why did you encourage your husband to say yes? My husband has always loved the Lord as long as we've been together. Mm -hmm. I know that, and from a child he was. And his desire is to serve the Lord in ministry in some form and uh, other than just the everyday uh, mm -hmm. contact with different people and yeah. he's a, a man of prayer there's never been a day when he always gets up before I do and when I get up he's on his knees in prayer and that's a lot to be said right there yeah. and I believe that God has called him to serve him in whatever capacity he chooses and I want to support that desire for him and right now we had to back out of like like life group because of his health and uh, he does work four days a week and he has about an hour drive both ways mm -hmm. and he comes home just exhausted mm -hmm. and we do miss being in a life group that's just a really uh, sad part for us, yeah. but we can join in prayer for them. And mm -hmm. But I feel that this, as being an elder, he's got a lot to give others. Mm -hmm. And I feel he's got a lot of wisdom that would help keep along with the others that are on the elder board, give wisdom to keeping our church and constitution intact and keep it where God would have it to be. Yeah. 
and I, I can't deny him that privilege. I, I really appreciate your willingness to share him with us. But right now. <laughs> Thank you. It's okay. You know, I just, right now we can't be a part of much. Amen. And I feel like he's, um, he wants to serve, and mm -hmm. I want him to be allowed to do that. Yep. yep. Awesome. Thank you, Terry. Uh-huh. <sighs> D, same question. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> Tell us about yourself. That's a tough question to answer, quite frankly. Um, in listening to, to my good friend Tom Phipps talk about his love for the Lord and his love for this body and his love for service and his love for supporting those people in prayer that surround him, uh, I, I'm just blessed with knowing him. And so one of the reasons uh, I was, um, after you, called and asked if I would do this. Um, I wasn't sure that I really, w I wasn't comfortable, suffice to say, and after a day or two of, of prayer and asking my wife what she thought about the situation, uh, she encouraged me to, uh, to, to pray about it. And uh, so I went, when the Lord seemed to indicate that uh, this is the answer to my prayers for getting more involved and, uh, and, uh, being more diligent with the few years that we, we have left, Tom. Um, the, uh, so I, I, I said yes, and, and when you said, uh, to, in answer to my question, what is it you expect of me, you said, well, prayer. I, I, well, I can do that, I can pray. Um, as far as my uh, role here, uh, it, it's to support the body, it's to support the continuance of, of, of what this church stands for in the various ministries and uh, the prayer is necessary not just from the elder board but from everyone in this body mm -hmm. it's always broken my heart to see the division of the body of christ by doctrinal differences and how that has harmed the body and i see that this church stands for the unity of the community's body and, uh, and that appeals to me mm -hmm. the the uh my first introduction to the Lord was uh, uh, my parents dropped me off at uh, Sunday school. They weren't at tenders, but they thought I ought to be exposed to that. And so this young lady explained to me who the Lord Jesus Christ was and, and it lit a fire. And that fire has, um, has persisted despite a lot of storms. And uh, I'm the recipient of a great deal of grace uh, in th through those storms. And because of that, I... I want to return as some token of appreciation and spending the last few days uh, uh, serving God. And so that's why I'm here. Yeah. Connie, would you have anything to add? And, and I know I'm grateful that you guys. They'll clap for anything, D. Yeah, I know. I'm saying. <laughs> Good thing. Why, why did you encourage your husband uh, both to pray, but also encourage him in this direction. And, and what does that mean for, for the two of you? Well, I think it means um, that we will be, both of us, using our time a whole lot more wisely than we have been. We're retired and mm -hmm. we're available and we just want to do more. Mm -hmm. And I think Dee has a lot of gifts to offer. Um, so it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah. One of, one of the things I love about both of these couples is that these are not individuals ser in service. Both of these couples work as a ministry team. 
Um, and we take that very seriously in consideration. And I'm grateful for the strength of both of your wives. I'm grateful for the voice that both of them have. Um, we love you very much. So are there, it would be remiss if I didn't offer some opportunity. Are there any questions that you might have that you'd like to ask uh, one or both of them? Awesome. So, so Tom, you got one vote for confidence. Dee, I'm not sure what that says for you. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Robert, what's up, bud? Uh-oh. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we do. Yes, we do. In fact, in a few minutes, we're going to go over what we believe. So that's a great segue, but we're going to get there in a second. Are there any questions specifically for the Renfros or for the Phipps? Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. At the end of the service, you'll have the opportunity to, to vote one way or the other of whether you feel comfortable in saying yes to them stepping into this point of leadership. Now, Robert brought up a, a question of what do we believe as a church? <clears throat> that is covered in our bylaws. Our bylaws are kind of the governing documents of our church, and it is something, it's almost like our constitution as a church and so because of its importance, we do not make changes to it lightly or flippantly. So three years ago, when we looked at what our statement of beliefs were in those bylaws, we began to see that, you know what, there's a few things in there that don't really belong. Because at least for Lee and myself, our, our thought was our statement of beliefs need to be about our core beliefs, the tent poles that hold up the tent. Uh, we used this analogy last year when we talked through our, our core beliefs, right, of a tent. In a given tent, there are tent poles that are required to hold it up. And without those tent poles, the whole thing is just, there's no space for anybody. But within those tent poles, and there's space for people from lots of different backgrounds, lots of different walks of life, lots of different perspectives on things to do life together. But we cannot compromise on those tent poles, on those core beliefs. In order for those core beliefs to hold any sort of weight, they, we felt they needed to be about salvation, first and foremost. And so we began to look at our statement of faith, as they were documented in our, our, our core beliefs, and there were a few of them that felt more like issues of church governance than they did with salvation, Typically, uh, particularly sections 8, 9, and 10 that has to do with issues of membership and things like that. Those are things that were covered elsewhere in our bylaws but didn't really have a lot to do with salvation. And so what we decided three years ago under the leadership of Lee Harrison, who was the previous lead pastor, and myself, is we sought to redraft our statements of belief, holding on to the theological truths, but doing so in a way that both took out the parts that had to do more with church governance, and then making our statement of belief more accessible, because the reality is the places where people were coming into contact with it was on our website, or in our 101 class, where we would walk through them step by step. And so we wanted to make sure that they were accessible for people who are reading them online, who don't know us, but would be able to see that. We wanted to make sure that they were very clear. 
and comprehensive. Toward that end, we took this and it became what's on the next page. These are our updated statements of belief. Now, we chose to sit on them for about three years. And when I say sit on them, what I mean is we chose not to update our bylaws three years ago when we redrafted these for several reasons. Number one reason, we were in the process of undergoing a transition of leadership. Lee retiring, me coming on, that was a whole lot of change all at once. We felt like it wasn't the appropriate time. R reason number two, again, we take our bylaws very, very seriously. We don't change them flippantly. We wanted to sit with these for a long period of time, so we felt like waiting a couple of years would be fine. Number three, we wanted the opportunity to get you more familiar with these things and to be able to see, are there going to be issues with the way we worded things? And so last year, we did a whole series where we walked through these core beliefs as we had rewritten them so that you guys got more familiar. And the, the beautiful thing is there wasn't a single person who came back to me and said, that was an insufficient way of articulating that, or that's theologically slanted, you need to change that or something. There was none of that. Um, and so we walked through it last year. Now I will say this, for some of you, this is the first time you're hearing that we are even considering changing our bylaws. And for those of you who that is true, I, I apologize. That was never our intent for this to be something that just got shoehorned into today. The reason we did that series last year was so it could be in preparation for this. We posted them earlier in the month. I also emailed them out to everybody about midway through this week. But I also recognize there's about 25% of you in our church that we don't actually have an email address for. So you did not receive that email. And if that's you, I apologize. Because you may feel like, well, I don't have sufficient time to really grapple with this and to make a, a, a decision on it. So first off, if you're not receiving emails, please give us your email address with your name and we will make sure it gets updated so you always receive the emails that we send out because sometimes it's, it's of importance on stuff like this. But secondly, <clears throat> we are not just for time's sake because I want to get you out of here before tonight and this could very easily become a downward spiral of, 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 of theological questions. Here's what I'm going to propose. We're going to vote on it. If you don't feel comfortable voting yes, then I give you my blessing to vote no. And even though it only requires a 75% approval rating to change it, I will endeavor, before we make a decision one way or the other, I will endeavor to meet with you and to process through your questions in advance. I've already had the opportunity with a couple of people this week to process through their questions, and it was very redemptive in the sense of being able to kind of explain the reasons for the language that we used. And so if you have a concern about something, please feel free to vote no, and we, I will process it with you before we make a decision. Now, I will say that th the wording that we have here was approved of by Pastor Lee. It was approved of by me three years ago, and it continues to be approved of me by today. Pastor Jeff was not a part of the drafting of this, but approves of it. And our elder board three years ago and every year since then, including the elder board that we currently have right now, have all unanimously given their support for the current articulation. But I welcome you to vote according to your conscience. I do not want you to feel obligated to vote one way or the other. Is that, is that fair? I'm just trying to be considerate of our time. Yes, Connie. 
Yes. The, we, we are making zero changes to our bylaws other than to take section two, which deals with our statement of belief, removing the old language, which, by the way, is only in our bylaws. It's no longer on our website. It's the new and updated version. In our 101 documents, it's the new updated version. Our bylaws are the only ones that retain the old language. What we are voting on is removing that the, the old language and inserting the new, that is the only change we're making to our bylaws. Yes? Yes. Yeah, it has to deal with governance. Good. I'm, I'm really glad. And, and that was our intent in rewriting it, was to make it more accessible, more understandable, and that it would flow. Um, I would imagine that there might be some questions in here. And again, if you have them, then please feel free to vote no, and we will discuss them before we move forward with this, all right? The last thing we need to go over before, and this is, is also going to be pretty time-consuming, and that's why I'm trying to move us along here, is our budget. So go ahead and turn there with me right now. Um, this, yeah. So let me go ahead and walk us through what we have here. I will point out some things that I would imagine some of you who, who care about this. Some of you are like, all, oh, this is what a budget looks like? I've never seen one of those before. For those of you who care, I want to walk you through some of the things that I would want to understand if I was seeing the budget. We have had it posted um, for the last month, but we, I want to explain it so that there's no question um, that we are doing our due diligence in the finances of our church, all right? So what you have here is our expenses are on the first page and a half, then our income comes at the second half of the, uh, of the budget, and then kind of all of the other stuff. You have our 2019 budget is the first column, the expenses, what we actually spent, and then our 2020 proposed budget, which is what you are voting on today, is do you approve of where we intend to allocate our resources? So there's a few things I want to point out. Let's go down to line 137. This is our retirement and pensions. You'll notice that last year we budgeted 25000 but we ended up spending almost 10000 more. And that this year, I intend to, we intend to only spend $25,000 again. Why the discrepancy of $10,000? It's because we had, in Lee's retirement, when he left, part of the retirement package was we had de de designated a portion of money that was paid out at about $1,000 a month, and that ended as of December 31st of last year. And so that extra $12,000 was in there, and unfortunately, I did not do my due diligence in accounting for it, and so that blew us out of the water. But that is done, and there's no more payout going forward, so 25000 is totally sufficient um, for that. Okay? The next one I want to point out, go ahead and go down to 314, our Mexico missions. Last year, we designated 2000 We spent 2400 But this year, Eric, you're not spending anything on Mexico missions. What's up? 
In fact, we are continuing to support Pastor Kuko. Every single month we are giving financially to him. However, as we began to look at our purpose as a church, and as we specifically began to focus on our desire to be more intentional about investing in our sphere of influence, Don and Jill, along with their outreach team, felt that for this year in particular, we need to focus on doing things locally and giving opportunity for us to invest in our, our relationships that God begins to open up. So toward that end, we are not going to do a Mexico missions trip for 2020, and instead we're going to look for opportunities to do and invest locally. And so because of that, go ahead and go up to 412 for a second. Outreach, which is our local bucket, last year we, we designated 1,000, we spent more than double that, all of the money we would have spent on going on a Mexico missions trip got dumped into our outreach bucket. In addition, we added another thousand because we want to be very intentional about having the resources to invest locally. So that's the reason for that. That doesn't mean we're no longer going to go down to Mexico. It just means that this year we're not going to focus on a Mexico missions trip so that we can do some other things. Uh, the, the third one I want to note, point out is 510. You'll notice that in adult ministries, $5,000 was designated. We spent a whopping $9,000, and this year I'm only designating $4,000. What gives, Eric? It seems like you don't know math. All of the missional pathway costs, including some financial gifts to the two men who gave six weekends of their time to us, all of that was thrown into there, which is why that was so much beyond what we had anticipated. We're not doing the missional pathway again. We feel like 4,000 and talking with Jeff, that's our life groups and stuff. We don't feel like 4,000 is totally sufficient for what we need. And so that's what the reason is for that. Let's go on down to 520, which is on the next page. <clears throat> You'll notice that in benevolence, every year we earmark $4,000 to be used primarily to care for the needs that arise within our church community. Sometimes it happens that we care for somebody outside, but in a large part, Trellis has helped and, and Fresh Beginnings Ministries have helped to pick up a lot of the care of people from the outside. So that is primarily designated to care for the people within our own church community. But Eric, you didn't designate 4,000. It says it, what is the little, you know, what is the 3,500 there? That is demarcating the fact that we had somebody at the end of last year give us a very sizable gift that not only covers the 4000 for this year, but 3500 towards next year. That's what that is. It's because of somebody's generosity. It was not even concluded as part of our regular income because it was earmarked directly to benevolence. So that indicates that not only this year, but next year, we are almost completely funded for our benevolence. So thank you for those of you who are generous in those ways. That's what that indicates. Uh, the last couple that I want to point out are 615 and 620. These have to do with insurance and liability and workman's comp. We've had some um, injuries. People like to use stairs as slip and slides, uh, Merv. Um, but you got yourself a ramp now, right? So we, we, we are addressing some of the things to make our church as accessible and safe as possible. Um, the crazy part is when Merv fell and broke his hip, he did not even say, you know, I, I need, he didn't even come to us for help. His insurance company came to us because it happened on our property, and that's just what happens. And the reality is we've had a number of, of issues 
with our insurance company that have caused our premiums to double. And so that's us just recognizing that it's going to be more expensive for the next couple of years, not due to anybody's fault, simply due to the fact that it's more expensive to insure an organization that has this many people coming to the church. So that's that. Let's go ahead and talk about the stuff that's fun, shall we? Let's talk about our income. Go ahead and jump down to the, the, the bottom part that says income. In 2019, we budgeted to bring in about $468,000. In actuality, we brought in $462,000. But let me stop and pause for just a moment. Because I want to remind you that in the midst of a regular um, giving, on a regular basis, we also did a pretty sizable uh, capital campaign last year. And you guys gave about $82,000 over and above our regular giving towards that capital campaign. Because of that, what we found is that we were actually seeing a shortfall of about $1,000 a week. We were planning, we are anticipating being short about $52,000 by the end of the year in terms of our giving. And yet, as God often does, in the 11th and a half hour, and the last week of December, we had two very sizable gifts plus lots of other offerings, but we had a $10,000 gift from somebody that doesn't even attend our church, and we had about $35,000 of stock that was donated to our church that brought us all the way up to virtually just about $5,000 short. And then when you couple in the, the gift towards our benevolence fund, we were over in terms of giving if we included that, which we did not. In addition... We had only budgeted bringing in about $55,000 for rents. That's the portion that the preschool helps us with, but also the, the church that uses our facility. And on top of all of those kind of things, we actually brought in about $13,000 more, which means that when all was said and done, we were actually $7,000 over our budgeted in, in terms of income, which was amazing. And it's just the way that God tends to work, is that he provides, even when we think that well, we're just going to have to suck it up. He's like, no, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. So coming into this year, we don't feel like we need to ask for the same amount of $468,000. In fact, we're going to lower that by about $13,000 or roughly $250 a week. We're going we're gonna to lower our, our, in, our, our offering dependence. So that brings it down to $455,000 for our regular giving and offering, and then about $70,000 for our leases that we would anticipate, which would be our budget total to $525,000. Now, where do we stand as we speak as a church? Go ahead and go down to our assets. As you notice here on 2019, and this is just a snapshot of, of our, our bank account, and I asked Robin, you know, Robin, it looks like last year we had close to 300000 and it at the end of this last year, we had $225,000 in, in, the, in the bank. Why the discrepancy? She goes, Eric, our bank account fluctuates by as much as $40,000 in, in a given week, just depending on where the preschool's at in terms of giving, because that bucket includes the preschool's finances and all that kind of stuff. So where we stand right now, at the end of December 31st, and Robin, please yell at me if I'm misstating anything, but she's saying, no, I'm doing fine which is a nice vote of confidence. Um, at the end of December 31st, we had $224,000 in the bank. 
We have a CD, which is continu- it started at $50,000 four years ago, and it's just been gaining. So we have now 53280 in a CD that we can pull out at any point, but we'd prefer for our money to do work for us. And at the end of the year, we had stock worth $35,500. Now, let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but I, as a church, do not feel comfortable being in the stock market. It feels too much, almost like gambling, like, I hope our income goes up, right? And toward that end, we felt, as we sat down with the elder board, that holding onto the stock as it was was not fiscally responsible because just as easily as stock can go up, it can also go down. And so we prayed about what do we do with this? Well, let me show you what, one more thing I want to add to this conversation, and that is go down to our proposed projects for 2020. Actually, let's look, before we get there, let's look at our projects that we finished in 2019, just so we can brag on, on you guys a little bit. First thing is that last year we put in an ADA ramp in porticos that is, it has given our church a radical facelift. You guys helped pay for the vast majority of it. Our city did their best to make it as expensive and frustrating as possible to get it done. They added about $20,000 in extra fees on top of it just because of all the requirements, which is why after everything you gave, it ended up we had to take out of our church's bucket $21,555 to finish paying for everything. But it's paid in total. Secondly, we had a a water leak over in the preschool. That cost about $4,500 to repair everything, replace flooring and stuff like that. We took four different rooms in our church, particularly over in our youth group, which is growing. We replaced uh, carpeting with, or or even rotten flooring with new flooring. That was about $3,700. And finally, we updated landscaping, including finalizing some of the requirements that our city was having so that we can deal with all of the complaints to the church about not meeting all of the requirements that we have in our agreement with them. So all of that is complete. It costs us about $3,300 or $33,000 to do all of that, but it is all finished, and I'm grateful for that. Now, moving into this year, there are two major things that we feel need to take place. First off is lighting. You may not be able to see, but we have 18 can lights up here, of which eight of them work. They're old. A couple of weeks ago, they actually threw a breaker twice because only those eight lights were pulling too much power uh, from our church. Now, it's not that we don't have enough power to our church. In fact, two years ago, one of the major improvements we had to do is actually increase by about threefold the amount of electricity coming to our church. But that's like a river coming, and then you still have the same tributaries that are pulling off of it. It's not sufficient to pull the power that we now have. And so what we need to do is we need to run more wiring to be able to support the electricity that we have access to. We also need to replace our lighting with more energy-efficient stuff that actually is useful, um, where we can turn some of them on and not all of them. That's one thing. I'd like it because we call ourselves Lighthouse, and yet when the lights go out, it's kind of embarrassing, right? (laughs) But the more pressing thing, because quite honestly, we can't ignore it. We could ignore this. I'd prefer not to, but we can ignore that part. The part we can't ignore has to do with our audio. Um, Last year, the government sold the bandwidth, the 6,000th bandwidth that all of our microphones operate off of. That means that as of June, 
not only will, when we turn on our, our wireless microphones, it will all be white noise, but it means that we will be breaking the law to turn these on because we will be impinging upon the cell phone company's bandwidth. Which means that we, along with every other church in our, our area, probably in the country, have to update all of our wireless stuff. Thankfully, we have somebody who does this for a living, Ben, who has helped us come up with a comprehensive plan not only to help replace our old stuff, but also upgrade the wiring, rewire the stage so that this 1950s church can actually operate 2020 and beyond. Um, so I'm grateful for him because whereas we would probably spend two to three times as much just for the manpower to install, he's like, I'm willing to do it. I will bring people in. He's getting his stuff at his cost. Um, all that to, to say, when we look at what we are trying to do this year, we're looking at about 35,000. Uh, actually, it's something closer to about 37,000 when we, we track everything down for the sound system upgrades and about $10,000 for the lighting. However, what we did not feel comfortable doing is asking you to give as another capital campaign to pay for this because we just came through one of these. I'm grateful for your generosity. And truth be told, God already provided what we needed for the sound system. What we chose to do is we have sold the stock. In fact, it had gone up by about $2,000 by the time we sold it. So we, we recouped $37,000 from that stock of which we are proposing that we spend that to upgrade our sound system in total. And then we will prayerfully just wait for God to provide the 10000 whether that's taking it out of our bucket for the lighting, or perhaps there's somebody in here who just says, you know what, I'd like to give specifically toward that. That's fine. You can let us know um, if you want to give over and above your regular giving. But that's what we're proposing. We don't want to do another capital campaign this year. God has provided what we need. All right? Yeah, you can clap for that. <coughs> now, Hefe's got the mic. Are there any questions about our budget? Robert, is this about our budget, buddy? Mm -hmm. Thankfully, we're a church, so IRS-wise, we don't have to worry about the same things that homeowners do because we are a nonprofit. So Robin has, has had many a headache with the IRS, um, but thankfully, she knows what she's doing, and we don't have to pay property taxes. Great. So, um, and I'll go from easiest to a bit harder. Okay. Hi. Hi. I'm loud already. Okay. Um, so, for two fourteen, uh -huh. you have a communion budget. Yep. Since there is such a discrepancy there, does that mean we might be having communion more often next year? I'm, I, one of the things that I have been remiss in is that we have not been plugging it in on a regular basis. The answer is yes. Awesome. Yay. Um, number 513, youth. Mm -hmm. There's about 400 maybe. Um, some of our Youth, most of our things are on Wednesday nights, yep. but we no longer have a program that some of our younger kids are going to on Wednesday nights. Mm -hmm. Might there be um, child care or something we might start talking about? Child to care is already provided, has been now for the last four months. 
So yes, the answer is yes, we have childcare. It's paid for by the church. Okay, email about that would be awesome. Um, okay, and then last but not least, I think 510 adults. Yep. Does that include like retreats, no. men's and women's? Is there any kind of budget set aside? Because we have not had a women's retreat in a couple mm -hmm. years, mm -hmm. and I'd like to know if there is a preparation or money set aside to go towards that. We often will use funds. It might come out of that. It could come out of benevolence at times. Oftentimes, though, the extra money comes from people who give towards that to help sponsor somebody. The answer to your question is we didn't do one last year. I can't speak for the year before, but we did not do a women's or a men's retreat last year because we were doing missional pathway, and that was requiring four weekends of everybody's time. I know for a fact we're doing a men's retreat this year, and I believe that the women's ministry is talking about doing a women's retreat. If that's something that's important to you, I would encourage you to reach out to Jeannie Massengill or, or um, Diane Winicky and talk to them about what that looks like and even offer maybe the help. So, so the retreats Jeannie? are private. Huh? So the retreats are private. There's no set aside. There's not this a specific sum set aside. Okay. But we have never, let me say this from the outset. If finances ever preclude you from being able to participate in a retreat or anything else we do, money should not be the issue that, that hinders you from doing so, and we will make a way for you to be able to go. Okay? Thank you for those questions. Um, I know that amount has gone down, and I know you mentioned something about that already, but I'm just wondering, because I didn't see um, Koheleth on there, yep. and I know, I think last year we didn't have right. that either, but that's a local outreach, so I was just wondering what mm -hmm. the, like, are we looking at supporting any local yeah. missionaries as opposed to the international ones, or are we still keeping the international ones as well. Right. I mean, I know you said we had them, but... So we, Don and Jill in particular, have been very intentional about looking through every single one of these. Um, yes, so when we began Koheleth, about three years ago, we started talking with them and saying, we are, are investing in Fresh Beginnings, we're also investing in Trellis, and, and these are doing similar things. Um, and we began to pray, pray about, we'd like to bring on some other ones, and so we began to we, we went about half support for Koheleth two years ago, and then last year they dropped off in our support, but it was not just the cold, you're done. It was more of a walking with and, and talking with Orlando. Um, we are very intentional about conversations, and in fact, what we did this year is we, last year we were only supporting Trellis by supporting John Began. This year we've actually doubled our investment into Trellis, which is the primary way we see the care of Costa Mesa and the churches. We, a lot of what Koheleth is doing is happening there as well as through Fresh Beginnings. So that's where those funds have gone, is we're giving about $900 total to Trellis every month. Between those two, we're giving about half of that to Fresh Beginnings every month. And so that's what is going on there. You were, you were talking, though, about wanting to do more local stuff, yes. and I'm just wondering, so at this point, though, we're still keeping the international focus as well with Marty and with Wycliffe and all of that. Mm -hmm. Is that something that eventually, I mean, if we're going to stay with this new, well, not we new, don't, but we, this we focus? Don't, um, we don't cease to support missionaries quickly. 
if we ever do, it's always a have a conversation. And in fact, we did bring down some of the support, the number, some of the reason why you see uh, more designated last year than this year is because some of the support we were giving to Marty was lowered by a couple of hundred dollars. Some of the support that we were giving to Wycliffe was lowered by a couple hundred dollars a month so that we could then put more towards Trellis. And when all was said and done, when Don and Jill looked through all of that we were going to be earmarking, it ended up being 4,100. Now, if it goes over that, I have no problem. In fact, I would like to give more than we do. And in fact, last year, you see that we went over what we had intended. And this year, if we do that, I'm fine as well. But I can, I can promise you that uh, the Shannons, along with their missions team, are very prayerful about where they're designating their funds. And it's very intentional, both locally, but also globally. Because at the end of the day, we don't want to just say, because this is our focus, everything has to now go local. They're still doing ministry, and we want to still continue to support them, but we always hold things loosely. We don't want to just say, well, because we've been doing it for 10 years, because we've been supporting these people with this fund, we need to keep doing that. So just know that Don and Jill take this very, very seriously, and they have thought through each one, and they have had conversations with every single one of our missionaries, and they're aware of the level we're supporting them and why we're doing it and what that entails. And if you have other questions about our missionary support, I, I would ha be happy to talk to you about it, or when they get back, I know that Don and Jill would be very happy to talk to you about that. Um, are we no longer supporting the Pappases? Uh, we are no longer supporting the Pappases. Library. So if I, if I or any of the other pastors need a book uh, for research or for study or things like that, that's what that is. Mm -hmm. okay. You were going in the right direction. Um, this is just a clarity question on Lighthouse Restored. Um, the 82000 that's been raised and then the spent is 104 yep. But the projects finished are only 33 So what else has been spent in that 104 Oh, no. We, so that is the reason I put in... Uh, at the bottom, the reason I put in that it cost us for the ADA ramp and porticos was $21.55. That's how much it cost above what we raised. So that was saying it cost us $104. We raised $82. The difference is $21.55. Okay, so that's where it, the yeah. project deficit, yeah. that number. Got mm -hmm. it. Thank you. Come to Rick. Yes. Double, Double honor. Double honor ministry. This is for uh, any sort of Christmas bonuses, any sort of uh, in November is pastoral, pastoral appreciation month. So any bonus that the church gives to Jeff or I, anything like that, if I were to take my staff to a meal uh, to just say thank you, that's what that comes out of. That's what that is. Uh, just clarification on um, line 317, Costa mm -hmm. Rica. Mm -hmm. um, budgeted three thousand. Yep. Use seventeen sixteen. Per no, so that, that means that there's money in there that people have given to prepare for their trip, which is going to go out this year. So that is money that was raised or given that will be spent. Okay. But, so that's what that. But indicates. that also indicates that none of the three thousand allocated was spent. Correct. Uh, okay. No, it's just that it's being held to go and be spent on whether it's tickets or car rentals and stuff like that. Did that answer it or no? We'll try again. Um, well, I, 
Yeah, there's did, no expenditure did, yet. You are preparing to go on your trip, and so you guys have given money towards it. Most of that has been spent for your plane tickets, but there continues to be some funding right there in order to pay for car rentals and food and all that kind of stuff, which will ultimately be spent on that. So that's why that indicates that there's actually a surplus, not a deficit. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Tim Bundy, did you have a question back there? Bundy. Okay. All right. Oh, you did. You're right. You bellowed. Anybody up top? <laughs> up top? Yeah, bring it, Bella. Fabulous question. Thank you, Bella. That's a great question. So, I'm hoping that you guys will help us in this. I'm hoping that as you begin to get to know your neighbors, as, uh, for instance, three years ago, four years ago, maybe it was even longer than that, uh, we had the Kelders. Do you remember Elizabeth Kelder and her family? They had a home that, while in a very expensive area, had some major needs. We recognized that need within our church, and we said, let's go and take care of it. So we sent some of our people over. They looked at what the needs were. We need to replace the flooring under their toilet because it's no longer stable. We need to repaint their home and all those kind of things. We got the stuff together. Then we as a church went and spent a couple of days caring for their home. That was one of my favorite moments because it was something we identified with within our church. My hope is you guys will begin to identify potential needs, that you bring them to us we got a couple of guys, Byron and Tony. Tony, I'm just nominating you. Byron's already said yes. But I got a couple of guys who are really good at scouting the land to see what the needs are, and then we can plan some of those. So that will be part of it. Part of it may be joining in with some of the opportunities that Trellis is giving us. Um, some of it is we don't know yet, but that's what our intent is, is to look for things around the area. So I hope that you guys can help us figure that out. So did that answer your question, Bella? Cool. Great question. Yes. No, you, you can, I know you can bellow. Um, I've had people out of state ask me if we have a live stream. Hmm. Do we ever live, oh yeah, I'm not going to take it from you. Um, do we ever live stream our sermons? Because they love them so much, they love hearing them, but they would also like to see them. So while we're going through all of the sound stuff, would it make sense to add that? Video. That is something... And also the music, yeah. So, so could we videotape the, the And it's something that we've been talking about doing for a time. Uh, one of the requirements of that is that you often need to have somebody who mans it or, or set it up. It's certainly something that we will look into. It's something I would like to have, but it may also require that we have somebody who volunteers to be in charge of that. Um, so we will take that under advisement. That's a great question. I'm sure Bill was volunteering for one more thing because yeah. he needs right. lots more things to do. Yeah. 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 I see that hand up, Bill. That's a nod. Are there any other questions? These are really good ones. I'm moving. It's a good thing. It's a good thing I'm feeling sparky today. I got you, Don. Jeff is getting his steps in for the day. This is good. Yeah, I um, having looked at these. Uh, documents for several years we've approved on all on many occasions to upgrade the sound system 
I'm looking at $35,000 budget. I'm wondering if that's for hearing aids for the gray heads in the back row. I'm pretty sure there's an app where I can actually have you click into the, the sound system and it goes right into your hearing aid. I'm pretty sure that there's something like that these days. We'll look into that. Oh, Bluetooth hearing aids. Perfect. Yeah. Radiate your brain. Love you, Don. Any other questions? These have been really good. I see people stretching like, I'm not going to do it. Mr. Jerzak, you got one for me? I got you. Coming to you, John. Hold on. We've reduced our, our cash position. Oops, sorry. Yes. <laughs> We've reduced our cash, cash position mm -hmm. by $75,000. Are we concerned about that at all? So one of the things that has been drilled into my head from Lee from the very beginning is that we need to have three months of operating capital, right? There's a certain point where we say, I am concerned. Last year, there were some extenuating circumstances, $21,000 to the capital campaign that came out of our bucket. Uh, we also recognized that in that particular kind of ebb and flow, uh, $35,000 was wrapped up in stock, so it's not represented in our cash position. Um, also, just where we were, it fluctuates maybe $20,000, give or take, up or down. And so we're actually in a better cash position than that signifies, but that was the snapshot on December 31st. All that to say, what is three months operating capital when you take the church, which is about uh, $550,000, and the preschool, which is about $450,000, so we are a million-dollar enterprise total. Three months of operating capital for a $1 million enterprise is $250,000. We have that between our cash and our CD. We're fine. Now, if we get below that, if, I, if we were to drop down to $200,000, that's when I become concerned and I say we need to start making some choices and, and doing some other things, but we're not there at this point. Um, and we're not going to be doing a capital campaign this year. So my hope is that we will see a regular steady increase in our giving. That would be my hope. Uh, but I, I'm kind of trusting God in this. All right, nothing. Then I would like the elders uh, to, I'm sorry, not the elders, the, the uh, ushers to go ahead and pass out the, the uh, ballots. I'd like to invite the worship team to come on forward. We're going to go ahead and spend a few minutes worshiping together while you take some time to fill out your ballots, okay? So the things that you have to, to vote on 